while since I've been up here. And I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful that we get to spend this time together. The reason that we come together every Sunday is because we're not attending a service. We're building a life. A life that is dedicated and surrendered to Christ. That as we come here week after week, Sunday after Sunday, we're reminded about prayer and singing. We're reminded about confessions and testimonies. We're reminded about silence and stillness before God. We're reminded about his sacrifice on the cross with his broken body and shed blood. Each week we come here and it's a microcosm. Our service is a microcosm of the Christian life that we might go out and live when we're out there. So you come, we come together to be reminded of this because it's so easy to forget in the world that we live. It's so easy to be distracted in the world that we live. So, welcome to the Recovery House of Worship. If you slept on the penthouse across the street or the park bench next door, you are welcome here. If you just had a substance before you got here or have never touched a substance in your life, we are glad that you are here. This is our time to be together, to be reminded of the love of Christ, which, by the way, is the new series that we are beginning. And so, I'm going to pray, um, and we're going to have a time of silence at the end of the sermon. But I want you to listen to me. I want you to allow God's word to change you completely. To allow God's word to infect your heart and explode in your mind so that you would not be the same. And that we would come back next Sunday and do it again and be reminded that the Lord is Lord and that he is good. Let's pray. Father, we come together and we're coming for the sake of glorifying you and being made more into the image of Christ. And so, Lord, I come to you as a person who's really broken and who desperately needs to be transformed into the image of Christ. One who would sooner pursue sin and idols rather than your love. One who's satisfied with the mud of idols and sin rather than with the seven-course meal of your love. And so, Lord, would you have your way throughout this service? Would you, by your Spirit, move in every one of our hearts? Remind us, O oh Lord, that none of us are here by mistake, but that, in fact, you wanted us here in this moment, in this time, in this hour, so that we might hear of your love. Remind us of this, because we forget so easily. And so, Lord, now we commit ourselves to you and ask that you would speak to our hearts, that we would hear Jesus' soft, sandaled feet walk up and down these aisles and talk and speak and touch each person here. And, Lord, we also ask that you would forgive uh, the person who speaks his sins, for they are many. And that we would all see Jesus and him only. And that you would be glorified. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
And amen. Okay. I've got a quiz for you this morning. All right? It's a musical quiz. Tell me if you can pick out this song. Who is it? Anybody know? Beatles. Beatles, of course, right? Like, even if you grew up in, like, Bushwick Projects, you would know that, right? Okay, here's another one for you if you didn't know that one. A different one. Here we go. Wait, we got to call it out. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Okay. No, but you don't know who said that because he was like a one-hit wonder. You don't know who it is, right? I had to look it up myself. Does anybody remember? How do? Oh my gosh, Aaron! I'm gonna give you like a hundred dollars. No, I won't. But that was amazing. I had to look that up. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, okay. Now here's the third one. Third one. Here we go. Wait, here it comes. <laughs> I wanna know what love is. Right. Right? Who doesn't love this song? I want you to show me. You almost want this song to play the whole way through, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to feel what love is. All right, that's enough of that. Oh, if you would get this excited over worship music. It's terrible. It's interesting. Those songs are very interesting to me because some of them are asking questions and some of them are seeking out something. And others, right? So we have, I want to know what love is. It's a, it's a seeking. It's a discovering. The other is, what is love? Right? right? The, 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 the idea of pursuing desire and wondering if love even exists in it all. And then, of course, all we need is love, but never defining it, Right? Just all we need is love, but defining it the way you would or I would. I remember my first experience with not being conscious that I didn't know what love was. So I, I was in a, and this, is, this only happened about 10 years ago. I was in a service and they were, in, um, they were installing the pastor. And the pastor is a dear friend of mine, but back then, he didn't like me very much. <laughs> Story of my life, right? It's like the same thing with my wife, the same thing with my kid. It's like, they don't like me at first, but I grow on people after a while. If you stay a while, you might like me, but right now, I know. It doesn't look good. And so what happened was, the congregation who knew me, they asked me to come and speak at his installation, and he asked other people, and the only reason I came is because one of his guys couldn't and all that jazz. So... I go up there, and I'm not kidding. It was like, it was like, a, it was like a, a joke, right? There was a white guy, and then there was a black guy, and I'm Puerto Rican, and so I'm the Puerto Rican guy. So it was a white pastor, a, you know, a white guy, a white pastor, a black pastor, and a Puerto Rican pastor walking to a bar. It was like that, right? And so the first guy, he preaches, and it's like a home run. It's like amazing. And then the second guy preaches. He's this, his, his, uh, his uh, Pastor West. It's like Unbelievable. It was like the best sermon I ever heard in my life. I couldn't believe it. it. was like being a singer and like, you know, Whitney Houston coming up before you. It was like, what? I do not want to go up after this guy. And so I'm there and I'm looking at my notes and I'm just erasing everything. And I'm like, oh God, this is going to go so bad. And so like I'm there and like, you know, we're supposed to be rejoicing over this guy. I'm sweating over the fact that I have to speak after these two guys. I mean, like, Grand slam, unbelievable. 
go up there, and the reason I tell you this story is because I go up there, and I was going to tell a joke, and the joke was the very one that I just told you, a black, uh, you know, a white guy comes, you know, a white guy, a white pastor, black pastor, and a Puerto Rican pastor into a bar. And then I was going to get, you know, get a little laugh out of that, and then I was going to go, that's as good as it gets, because you just heard a tremendous thing. Was, that's what I was going to do. That's what I was going to do, just to at least, you know, ingratiate the people to me. And so I go up there, and I'm going to go into my shtick, right? And so I go up there, and I go, uh, and they stand up and give me a standing ovation. And I remember I jumped back. It actually frightened me. I've thought about that moment over and over again. Let me tell you why. Because for that moment, they were expressing, this was a church that I had loved while they were looking for a pastor for years. This was a church that I had done counseling. I mean, I had counseled people in a church that I had loved and the church that I had um, spent. We, 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 got, we had history together. And when they expressed that to me, I jumped back. Here's the thing. Let me tell you why I jumped back. And it moved me so deeply that I've been thinking about it for the last 10 years. I don't receive love well. When other people say that they love me, I finish because, and then I finish the rest of the sentence. You love me because I provide for your, you know, for the household. You love me because you have to. I'm, you know, I'm taking care of the kids. You love me because uh, I have, I, I give you something. You love me because I have something to offer you. If I stop giving this, you know, the church, this church loves me because I'm a preacher, you know, just like I have an excuse. But this particular church that I had preached in, they got their pastor and they were happy with him. And they loved me before the performance. They loved me before I gave the talk. And quite frankly, the talk was terrible. Especially in comparison to the other guy, Ralph Douglas West. That's what his name was. Ralph Douglas West. It was one of, if you ever hear one of his sermons, you will understand what I felt. But that's the way it is with some of us, isn't it? It's the reason why some of our relationships didn't work out the way we wished. We just couldn't receive love. And we didn't know how to give it. Beloved, this is something that occurs in all of our souls because of the brokenness of our hearts. Some of us, when we were growing up, received what we thought was love, but really it was abuse. And we go, well, then that's what love looks like, so I'll pursue that. Others of us were abused, and then we went in a totally different direction. We're going to just hard-hearted and stay away from people, and nobody's ever going to get in here. We, beloved, have to learn how to love in the new family of God. Because if we don't, we'll be like everyone else. And so we're starting this series. And we're saying it's improving your love life, but we're not going to talk so much about um, sexual love and stuff. like. I know that's one of the reasons. I actually was going to put that in the, um, in the like, subtext of the, you know, of things, you know, learning how to love the, you know, agape way and all that other stuff. And then I thought, nah, 
If you're here for sex, it's cool. <laughs> if you want to learn about relationships, that's cool. Come on in. You know. But what I do want to share is that we need to learn to be better lovers. Our children desperately need that. You need that. Our relationships need that. Our parents need that. Our friendships need that. Our brothers need that. Our sisters need that. That we would become better lovers. So, um, the problem though is not only the harm that we've experienced, but it's also the culture that we live in. In the culture that we live in, there's a definition for love, right? And I, I, got, I got like several definitions of love. I went to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, right? right? And so love is a noun. And look at some of these, right? It's a strong affection. Number two, it's an attraction based on sexual desire. It's an affection based on admiration, right? And it goes on from there. And then uh, the other one is uh, love as a, a verb. And it's... Uh, to hold dear or cherish, to feel a lover's passion, caress, to fondle amorously, to copulate with, right? These are the, these are the ways that we define love. And, and that's fine, but it's totally, it's 100% the opposite of what the Bible speaks about when it speaks about love. That love is something else. That love is first something that you receive. Love is something that is done for you, and then it is something that overflows out of you. You see, my love is not worth giving. My love is very self-centered. In fact, my love is very much like cultural love. My love is about desire and devour. Do you understand what I mean? Desire. So some of my loves are like, you know, like, oh my gosh, we're going to have like, all right. So like, I just recently was with a friend. His name is Aaron Chung. He's a brilliant pastor. And, um, and we went to, we were, we were traveling to Baltimore, and we went to this Jersey place where they had, uh, we were, had no expectations for their um, barbecue. Anybody here a bar- barbecue fan? I love barbecue. I'm a huge barbecue fan. And so, um, so I went and I got, uh, I got, well, you don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, the point is, is that it was wonderful. And it was fantastic. And I loved it so much, I desired to go back again. And we did. We did. When we came back the other way, we was like, yo, we're going to hit this one up. And I was like, yeah, man. And so there's this love that's like desire, right? Like, I want that. And I want her. And I want him. And I want that car. And I, I, just, I just love this or that. Like, it's, it's love like desire. And then it's love like, there's another form of love, like a love like devour. It's the you complete me kind of love where we're in relationship, but we're in relationship with someone because they're meant to take away our loneliness or there may be a financial security there or, you know, they're physically pleasing. Whatever it is, this devour, this desire, This is not the love that the Bible speaks about. When the Bible, when the culture speaks of love, it's this self-giving, narcissistic affection for something. It's, It's beneficial to me. It's a desire. But 
if we're going to look more faithfully at God's word and we're going to be, and remember, we meet here so that we can become the community of God so that little by little we're transformed into the likeness of Christ. Listen, this series we need. We need because the kind of love that we're talking about and the kind of love in the culture, it's in us. We took it in with mom's milk. And if we don't address it, we'll only be a little bit more like the culture. And so, you need this. Your marriage needs this. Your friendships need this. Your other relationships, your workplace environment needs this. Matter of fact, it just, the world needs this. So I need you to just make a decision in your mind. I'm going to come back for the, next, uh, for the next few weeks as we go through this series so that we might look deeper into this love. Today, we're going to look at a very interesting passage. The reason that we're going to look at this passage is because Jesus says that it sums up the entire Old Testament. Wouldn't you like a sum up of the entire Old Testament, right? And so, what, let me give you the scenario. Jesus is, um, is at odds with the religious leaders, which, by the way, is terrifying to a person like me because I'm a religious leader. And he's at odds with them because he's saying that you're just not pointing people to God in the way that's accurate um, to who God is. Well, so there are these uh, groups of people, religious leaders. One is called a Pharisee, and the, one group is called Pharisees, and the other group is called Sadducees, right? And so the Pharisees, they were, um, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they don't like each other. But all of a sudden, they don't like Jesus, so now they're down, right? And so... They're, they're asking questions to Jesus in an aggressive and an intentional way to make sure that they trip him up. They're trying to discredit Jesus. And so they come to Jesus and they say this in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 and 39. Would you be willing to stand with me as we read this text? And the reason that I asked us to stand is because we are reminded that God's word has authority over our lives more than our feelings. And boy, this is true with love. More than your feelings, more than feeling love, we need to receive love. Receive it from God and then extend it back over to others. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 39 says this. Would you read it with me? One, two, three. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which... Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. May God bless the hearing of his word, please. So Jesus is in this bind. He's talking to people, and he's sharing uh, with them, and they're trying to capture him. They're trying to discredit him, and they're going, hey, why don't you sum up, there's all these different laws in the, what's the greatest command? Different laws, different statements, different commands in the Bible. How do you sum it all up? And Jesus says it this way, 
love. The Lord, your God, with all your heart, that means your thinking, your feeling, your volition. That means your will. Your soul. That's like, your, your soul is uh, the deepest part of you. It's, it's like your, your body, your, what, what's going on inside of you. And then your mind, and that's like your opportunities, your privilege, your capacities. So he says, with all that you are, and all that you have, and all that you will ever be, I want you to love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, this is heavy. Because he's asking us to do something that we don't know or aren't sure how to do. He says, love the Lord your God, that your life should be dedicated. You want to do the whole Bible. Love the Lord your God. Not according to what you think, not according to what you feel, but according to what God thinks and according to what God feels. According to the way that God would lead us to himself and lead us to love others. Now, honestly, if he would have stopped there, there's a deep longing in my heart. I mean, you probably have never met a more messed up person than me. That's true. But you've also probably have never met a person who wants to love God, serve Jesus. I, like, I, I want more than anything. Like It's my deepest, deepest desire. And I'm not saying that I do it. I'm just saying that there's a longing there. In that, he doesn't stop. He says, love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your heart. And then he says this, and the second is like it. No, don't say anything else. <laughs> no, that was fine. That was very moving to me. I get it. Love God. Watch this. He goes, and the other one, just like it, love your neighbor like yourself. What? You were doing so good, Jesus. Because anybody who, right, like people are tough to love, right? Right? All you got to do is be married for a year before you figure that one out. Like, people are tough to love. It's a difficult thing to love others. But Jesus is saying, he's saying there's something about the mark of God's, experiencing God's love for you and then loving him back that's going to affect the way you engage with others. That has massive implications to our lives. So, and by the way, I should have said this earlier. When we do our series, we don't answer every question in one sermon. The whole point of the series is to build on this topic and deepen in it. So there's a lot of stuff that we're not talking about um, here in this service um, that you need to come to next week. Like, where do we get this love? You know, how, right? Stuff like that. We're going to talk about as we go on. We'll touch on it slightly, but you need to keep coming back so that we could learn this deeply. So there's three fundamental truths that I want, to, I want you to take out of this text. And here's the first one. Would you, if you are a follower of Christ, if you 
want to learn how to love, if you want to know how to grow in Jesus, like if you want to apply the entire Old Testament to your life, here it is. First, make love the measure of your spiritual maturity. Got it. Make love the measure of your spiritual maturity. I wish the measure of spiritual maturity was how, many t- how much time you spend in prayer, how much time you read the, the Bible, how many people you feed. Um, how many, like, I just wish that it was that. Because that I can do. That I can easily, like I could feed somebody without love. I could give somebody a little bit of extra help without love. I could just do it. It was like, it looks good. All right, I guess I'll do it. All right. It's convenient to me. I don't want them hanging out in the doorstep. All right, I'll help them a little bit. But to love them while I do that? Oh, that's a totally different thing. See, as important as Bible reading is, and please, please, please start reading your Bible. As important as prayer is, and please, 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 like start deepening in prayer. In fact, we have a prayer service that goes on every single morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And it's an incredible prayer meeting that you can grow in prayer, that we lead you through series of prayers that are brought in your capacity to pray. Please pray. In fact, it's right here. Um, Monday, uh, Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m., I do Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, I'm sorry, I do Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, but you can join us on um, the Zoom link or the Facebook. So I want you, do I want you to pray? Of course I want you to pray. It'll help to form you in the likeness of Christ. Do I want you to read your, of course. Do I want you to attend the service? Of course I want you to attend the service. I just told you how important this is to your development into becoming more like Jesus. Of course I want this. That's not the measure of your maturity. The measure of your maturity is loving, being loving. Dr. Bashir, who's also a, an author, says this, Love is loyalty and commitment to serve a person so that they become more like Jesus, even if it means I give up my own rights and privileges, as Jesus did, for that person. That's what love is. See that? Love is loyalty and commitment to serve a person so that they become more like Jesus. Pause. I want to clear up some stuff. If you're in a relationship, say for instance, you're in a relationship and that relationship is physically abusive. Do you think that by staying silent and not saying anything about that, that you're helping that person form into the image of Christ? That's not love, is it? So it's worth saying. You see, we think that love is an affection. We think that love is a twisted loyalty. We think that love is something like a desire or devour, but it's not that. Love is a loyalty and commitment to serve a person so that they become more and more like Jesus, even if it means I give up my own rights and privileges for that person. See, that's no fun. I I remember when uh, my wife and I, this is years ago, right? My wife and I have been together for like 30 years. But right, she had a kid. Like, she had a kid. It was my kid, I hope. Yeah, of course it was. That was stupid. I shouldn't have said it that way. So, um, so she, she had a kid. 
And so, you know, my brother told me this, whenever you get married, right, in the first year, if you put a bean in the jar for every time you make love to your wife, you'll fill up the, the jar with beans. <laughs> and then if you take a bean out after the second year, if you take a bean out of the jar every time you make love, it'll take you 10 years <laughs> to take it out. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. Well, I, he told me that, but when it actually started to happen, I was like, I freaked out. I was like, this is not fun. This is not good. Because why? Because I, 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 it, it, love was still in the desire devour phase for me. I didn't care how she felt. I just wanted and had needs that I wanted her to fulfill. And if she wasn't going to do it, I would go somewhere else. And she, she better get on board. How terrible. How narcissistic. But such is my love. No, we need to revalue. No, we're going to make love the measure of our spiritual maturity and we're defining love this way love is loyalty we're not only defining love this way we're going to give more definitions but i want you to i want your mind to start transforming love is loyalty and commitment to serve a person matter of fact let's read that together one two three love is loyalty and commitment to serve a person so they be Come more like Jesus, even if it means I give up my own rights and privileges, as Jesus did for that one. Second thing we learn from this verse, loving God and loving others, is that we make loving God and obeying God inseparable. Make loving God and obeying God inseparable. Jesus doesn't say, love the Lord your God with all your affections. I think all of us could pull that off if we like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But and then not actually obey him with our bodies. Love the Lord your God with your body too. With all of who you are. Obeying him. It's, 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 Jesus says it this way in John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. So you want to tell, you, you love Jesus? Keep his commands. Here's the flip side of that. You don't keep his commands? What is that saying about your love? Now, I'm a person who sins more than anybody else in this room, so I'm telling you that this is something that really convicts me. If you love me, keep my commands. That means, listen, that's going to rub up against. That's going to rub up against this culture. That's going to rub up against your identity. And I don't know what your identities are. Maybe you have a cultural identity or an ethnic identity. Maybe you have an identity. You know what I mean when I say culture? Like, you know, you're a culture. Like you're American or you're from New York. Or ethnic identity, like I'm Puerto Rican. Or sexual identity, like you're heterosexual or homosexual. Or uh, financial identity, like I'm rich or I'm poor. Or any other, a political identity, like I'm Democrat or Republican or neither. You see, it's easy to get an identity that's not in Christ. And he's saying, no, 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 if you love me, You'll obey my commands, which will eventually rub up against your politics and your culture and, your, and everything else. Make loving God and obeying God inseparable. John 14, 21 says it this way. Whoever has my commands and keeps them 
is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Richard Foster is a, he's an author, and he says this. He goes, sin is ultimately an attempt to fill our needs for God with everything but God. That's what sin is. Sin is a longing for and a pursuing the desires that God has given us outside of God. That's all sin is. She will satisfy. He will satisfy. They will satisfy. That will satisfy. No, 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 no. Beloved, our desire in making God the center of our love is to make loving God and obeying God the same thing. Not desire devour. Not affection for, but not an adherence to. Rather, it's making loving God and obeying God the same. St. Augustine um, says St. Augustine was like a, a brilliant thinker. In fact, he's shaped most of our Western thought. He came from Africa. And he says this, the root problem in human condition is disordered love. What he meant was this, is that if you love a relationship, or you love your kid, or you love your job, or you love physical fitness, or you love your sneakers, like whatever you love, right? He goes, those are fine. The problem is, is when they become disordered. In other words, for those of you in recovery, see if you've ever heard this. Whatever you put in front of God, you lose. It's very simple. He's talking about disordered loves. In other words, they're in the wrong order, right? You know how bad this gets, right? When um, you want to, in, in a healthy marriage, you basically want to love each other and out of the outflow of that love, love your children. It becomes a very dysfunctional family when you start loving the kids more than you love the, uh, the spouse because the kid will play you like a fiddle and, and it will bring you all sorts of pain and drama. And believe me, I'm a counselor. I've seen this a thousand times. Right? So we want to put love in the right degree and in the right order. So we have to put loving God first. Everything else submits to that. Everything. My relationships. My work. How I carry myself. Everything submits unto that. Okay. Thirdly, I want you to make loving God and loving neighbor inseparable as well. Make loving God and loving your neighbor inseparable. In other words, I want you to check how your love is towards God by checking how you are towards others. And by the way, we're going to find this out in, um, in a couple of weeks Motivation matters. Motivation matters. In other words, if, if someone uh, gave a million dollars to an orphanage, say someone gave a million dollars to an orphanage, and you go, oh my gosh, that's the most amazing, loving thing I've ever seen. They gave a million dollars to an orphanage. And then you go up to that person and you say, 
would you like to take a picture with the kids in the orphanage so that we could celebrate? Like, right? And he goes, no, I don't want to be around those filthy kids. Wow. And you go, what? I don't understand. He goes, yeah, I just did that so that, you know, it was a good political thing. I want to run for office. So it was like a, it was like a good expedient political move. I'm giving money to the orphanage. Now, in the first scenario where I said the guy gave a million dollars, you go, that's the most loving thing. However, when you find out his motive, is it still loving? No, it's self-centered, it's narcissistic, it's the desire-devour thing that we were just talking about. You see, same thing, make loving God and loving our neighbor inseparable, that when I love you, I do it with not only in the right degree, but also for the right motive, that I would love you well, not because you deserve it, because you don't sometimes. Not because I deserve it, because I don't sometimes. Not because you've merited it or you've earned it or anything like that, but love you with the same love that God has given and pursue in that way. Making loving God, make loving God and loving neighbor inseparable. Look at what it says in Matthew 22, 39, the very passage that we just read in the very beginning. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's allowing God's love to so influence us, so fill our hearts. So here's how it works, right? So you got a kid, and the kid is going in a very wayward direction. I mean, they're going way off. They're not listening. They're living deceitfully. They're uh, not paying attention to anything like that. How do you love a kid like that? Well, if you're like me, you don't try to love them. You try to manipulate them first with money or threats or whatever else you got in your tricks, your bag of tricks, right? But you love that. How do you love them first? Well, the first thing you do is that you recognize that they're not the first rebellious child that there's ever been. You are. And that when you rebel against your heavenly father, you were doing far worse than their rebellion against you. Do you see? Because you've received God's love even in your rebellion and you sit in that, like even in that nightclub on Tuesday night or even in that place on Saturday morning, like, like no matter what, you've received God's love and in so doing, you can overflow God's love. You can, say, you can come to your child and say something like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that there was more than one liar in this family. <laughs> Holy cow. I did not know that there was more than one deceiver in this family. I thought I was the only one. You see, because I've received the love of God, I can overflow the love of God. You do that in every area of life. Michael Wilkins, he's a scholar and author. He says this, love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person in which one gives oneself to another to bring the relationship to God's intended purpose. All right, beloved, let's close. Listen, as we go on through this series and discovering what love is and applying it to our lives, I want us to make love the measure of our spiritual maturity, make loving God and obeying God inseparable, as well as making loving God and loving our neighbor inseparable. Believe me, if we start doing can you imagine if we started to love each other in that way? 
You know what would happen? Fewer people would leave our church because someone didn't treat them loving. You know what else would happen? Your relationships would be much more beautiful than they presently are. In fact, if we did this, if we practice, think of what problems would there be in the world if we functioned off of this principle, if the whole world decided to function off this principle, right? Like wars would cease, like almost every single problem that we have in the world would be satisfied if we would just practice this one thing. Now think about this. What about in the world of your life? What would be fixed? Like maybe the bitterness that you have for that person could be addressed. Maybe, maybe, maybe the resentment that you've held on to for years could melt in the light of his love. Maybe, maybe, maybe. The scars and the wounds that you've carried around with you since you were just a little girl, since you were just a little boy, maybe they would start to heal in the light of the love of God. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases, it finds, it leaves the 99. None of us deserve it. None of us have earned it. And yet, he pursues us in this way. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. My prayer for you is that you would not only receive this, but that you would be something that would overflow in your heart.